0: Hey Spotlighters, Mike Ham here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address and let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ham, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. My guest today has a deep background in regenerative organic agriculture, indoor air quality, water quality, and other important aspects of wellness technology for the home. He recently co-founded Pure 365, which aims to bring an entire high-performing ecosystem to the residential market. He is also a founding member of the Wild Orchard Tea Company, which was created out of the desire to share the world's purest and highest quality organic teas. Not to mention, he has the best name of any guest we've ever had on the show. He is Michael Ham. Michael, welcome. Great to be with you, Michael. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure as I was reading that and I said Michael Ham, people are probably like, is he interviewing himself on this show? Uh, but no, I have no background in teas or healthy homes or really anything um you know michael and i don't even really look alike so that's we got glasses that's one thing that we got going you know he's got more hair than me i got the beard so but i'm excited to have you on man how's everything going
1: it's awesome you know how this all started so i joined clubhouse right and you know sometimes you get those notifications and it says these people are in this clubhouse and i saw my name yeah, I was like, shoot, did someone hack my phone? Because I was hacked before. <laughs> I ended up going in there. And to my relief, it wasn't me. It was you. That's yeah. how I got to know you.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I got the notification, uh, Michael Ham wants to connect with you. And I was like, that seems weird. But then I looked at the profile picture and then I, I was saying, that's yeah. definitely not me. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, because I know that there's like an old LinkedIn account of mine Floating around there somewhere that I still somehow get emails for, but can't find how to get back in there and just get rid of that profile. So right. it's like, hey, Mike Ham, why don't you connect with these people? So I was like, maybe it's that. Maybe it's somehow that one got hacked and now they're trying to reconnect with me. But no, we're here. And it actually works out really well because one of the things that I highlighted in your bio, the Pure 365 fits the real estate type. Uh, focus that we have on our Tuesday episodes. Um, So why don't you tell us what Pure 365 is, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into it.
1: Right. So we've known for quite some time that, uh, especially with building homes and buildings tighter, especially with sustainability initiatives, governments mandating that, you know, we got to decrease the carbon footprint. Yeah. Since the 80s, right? 80s, 90s, ramping up to today, The Things like the LEED certification focused on sustainability, not wasting energy. What it's done, it's benefited in one way, but what it's happened is it's trapped a lot of the toxins and uh, uh, ventilation, uh, uh, lack of ventilation in buildings. So who are uh, the people that suffer the most from that? It's the occupants of the home of the building. So now with COVID, there's a huge movement in looking at that and focusing on helping people live in healthier environments. And that's kind of where we play. We, we use monitors to measure the quality of the air, the quality of the water, and we integrate systems to be able to remediate pollution events. So it's an automated system where you don't have really, it's like your thermostat, you set it at a temperature and you expect it to perform. So it's, that's the way that the future is gonna be for air quality, water quality too. You just set it at optimal levels and you let everything work in behind the
0: scenes. Right. So uh, was this something that you had been working on pre COVID? Is this something that people have been aware of and just like didn't really care about? Um, And then this is kind of thrust it into the forefront of people's minds?
1: Oh, definitely uh, much so. So I've been working on this for about a decade. We were going into homes, inspecting homes, people who suspected mold. They were getting headaches, uh, uh, severe allergies. They want to know what the source is because everything's invisible. So at that time, about a decade ago, we'd have to actually do manual testing, send it to the lab, get results. But probably about five, six years ago, IoT devices started to come out on the market where you can actually measure your CO2, your chemicals in the air, the particulates in the air, things that are actually harming our health without us knowing it because it's invisible. And so now uh, those sensors are becoming much more reliable, accurate, and they're able to interact or integrate with the systems, the purification systems, ventilation systems to actually automate everything. So it's really an exciting time of innovation going on right now.
0: Right. So, um, one of the things that I was, uh, wondering when you were, when you were talking about that is, you know, like, you know, we mentioned that this is something that, uh, people have been, you know, working on like yourself prior to COVID. Um, and I feel that maybe older buildings might be more, um, at risk, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but more at risk to have a lot of these toxins and stuff like that in them, because maybe they're not. As well ventilated? Is that something that you see too? You know, like older buildings, older homes that have more issues with them?
1: It's not so much that it's older, it's more so how well it's maintained, right? So you can have an older building, but they maintained it really well. They make sure the ventilation rates are according to code or surpass it. And you can have a much uh, healthier building than a brand new one. But the brand new ones now typically they're more focused on sustainability. And now Especially after COVID, there's a huge movement to make buildings more healthy. So there's, a, there's two certifications that, if you haven't heard, you should look into, especially a commercial building operators, something called the WELL standard. It's by the International WELL Building Institute. And then there's another standard called FITWELL. Those two, you actually get your building assessed for certain markers on how healthy it is. And they'll tell you, you need to ramp this up if you wanna get fit well or well certified. And when you get that certification, it gives everyone coming into the building that peace of mind that, wow, this building is operating at optimal levels.
0: Right, okay, so what are things that would uh, qualify a building to fit into those categories? So, so, I mean, are there certain metrics I'm assuming that they would have to hit um, as far as like air quality or water quality yeah. and all that kind of stuff?
1: So both of those standards, well and fit well are the top two, but each of them have different uh, concepts and uh, you know, requirements to pass. So just to give you an example, well has 10 concepts. Air quality is the biggest out of all of them. You have water quality, you have things like nourishment, you, the, the types of foods that the, you know, the companies in the building uh, give access to, right? Uh, the mind, mind is one, uh, comfort, Thermal comfort is one. You have just all all, a wide-ranging set of concepts that really constitute a holistic, healthy environment.
0: Gotcha. Sorry, I was on mute and drinking coffee all at the same time. Um, But um, all right, so well, fit well, those are all great. So uh, are there instances where – how does someone – start this process? So like if I'm a homeowner, if I'm a building owner, is this something that I would just do just to be safe and give the people working in my building peace of mind? Or are there, do you see a lot of times people have issues and all of a sudden people are getting those headaches and they're like, well, something's going on maybe with this building. Um, When do you see people actually starting this process? And I'm assuming it would be better to start it earlier rather than later, right?
1: So with COVID, health, where you go has become top of mind. So it's certainly sped everything up but there's still a major lack of knowledge on what constitutes a healthy building. So well or fit well is a great place to start. If you're a building owner, look in and try to look at what steps need to be taken to get uh, certified. That process, you can hire a uh, accredited professional in either area. They will come out and they will help you get certified. They will assess your building and say, oh, you're lacking in air quality ventilation. You need to spruce this up. But once you get that certification, it gives everyone in the building uh, more peace of mind. You can charge higher rent rates. There's a greater ROI to your tenants because you're, you're creating a more uh, healthy environment that leads to higher productivity of your staff, right? So there's a lot of uh, benefits that come with getting certified.
0: Right, so, okay, take your position in this. So if, if I'm a building owner and I say to myself, hey, this Michael Ham guy, not the host, but the guest, he seems that he knows what he's talking about. What, what is your role in this process? So
1: uh, I'm a well AP and uh, you know, soon to be FitWell ambassador. So if someone were to come to me and say, I wanna create uh, the healthiest building possible, can you come in and take a look? Then we can go in and do an, an immediate assessment, whether they wanna do well or fit well eventually, we can guide them through the process. We can do initial assessment and give the building owner a sense of, oh yeah, yeah, you're you're really good here. You can qualify very easily without much uh, upfront capital expenditure. Or wow, you haven't done anything here. If you want to get uh, certified, you're gonna have to spend a, a, a quite quite a bit. So we go in there and we pretty much consult on how to create the healthiest environment and get certified.
0: Right. Is has ever? I mean, it's funny that you say that. If people haven't been maintaining their building all that well. Are there ever instances where they're just like you are so far off? This building is it sucks. Like there's, no. it's going to take a lot to get your you know building to where yeah. up to up right. to snuff, so to speak.
1: Right. So the way that I explain it is usually code uh, by jurisdiction is really the bare minimum. Yeah. Right. So people are well, they have to. They're they're obj- obligated to keep that bare minimum. Right. Year by year, getting their their permits renewed and stuff. Or, but licenses. But if you really want to create a healthy environment and give peace of mind to your workers, to your tenants, you have to go beyond code. And that's what fit well. That's what well does. That's what it provides.
0: Right. And then, I, I mean, I know a lot of this comes under the technology, um, you know, uh, umbrella, I guess. Yeah. So, are there cool technologies that people have now to kind of like keep track? Is this something that we if like if I go into work and I is this something where like it would take my temperature and make sure that I'm healthy, or is this something more on just like the building side, not necessarily the people in it?
1: So, taking temperature is not part of these certifications. There are a lot of businesses right now, big commercial entities. That's what they do. They have a check-in station right now where it takes your temperature. If you're good, you're you're able to get your pass to go up to your appointment, right? In the building or to your desk. Uh, if, uh, uh, but speaking a bit about technology, the beauty of it now is more and more companies, they're allowing their workers to gain full transparency to the state of the indoor environment. So you'll be able to actually go into your workspace and log into your app and see what the air quality is, where you're working. That's the ultimate peace of mind because you people are afraid to go to work these days for obvious reasons. But if you can show as a building owner or a, a employer that you've done everything to create the safest environment possible, that's what it's going to take to get people back and working productively.
0: Right. All right. So let's talk also about the residential side of it, too. Yeah. So. Um, You know, obviously the the commercial aspect, people working in offices is all very important to what we're talking about on this show, but also we've done quite a bit of residential stuff. So I do want to make sure we cover that also. And this also goes into the residential side of it as well. So is this something that, because, I mean, you're in New York, I'm here in New Jersey, um, as I'm sure that you are aware, the residential markets, particularly here in Western New Jersey, were popping off last summer. I mean, they were going insane. And I know that that's like a different for a lot of a variety of reasons, which we all understand why that was happening. Um, but is this something that maybe people should be doing prior to purchasing homes? Is this something that you can do prior to purchasing a home to know whether or not this meets you know, certain criteria so that the house that you're buying, you know, is a healthy home or not a healthy home?
1: So Michael, we're not there yet, but we do believe in the residential market is gonna follow the commercial market. So uh, there is gonna be some sort, just like in Zillow, you have uh, the sun rating on how, uh, you know, how uh, good solar will be on your property, right? The south facing, they have a, a neighborhood index where if it's high, you can walk to stores and shop. You don't have to use a car. There's a walkability index. I believe there will be a healthy home index. And that's what we're working towards because it really involves sensors, uh, homeowners opting in. And think about it, if you look at two listings at the same uh, price point and your healthy home index is much higher than the other, where are you gonna choose, right? right? For the benefit of your family. So I believe, and we're, we're gonna be huge drivers of that, but um, using that data to give people more informed choices.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that would be definitely good for people to know, because it's one of those things where even if you do an inspection, you know, and again, those probably meet certain bare minimum criteria or whatever. Um, So I feel like this would be something like you were mentioning that would be great to know going in, because as you mentioned earlier, you know, if you if the home or the building hasn't been maintained in a long time, it could be a significant capital expense um, to get it, get it to where it needs to be and make it safe and healthy for your family or your employees or whatever. Um, so what are things like the, maybe some examples of common things that people would do, uh, to get that building or or home back in the, moving in the right direction to make it healthier. Is it just like, you know, punching a hole in the roof and venting out the air or, you know, what, what are we talking about here?
1: Well, that's a whole uh, new uh, section that'll take uh, much too long to go over everything. But to give you a 30,000 foot overview, the trifecta of indoor air quality is really good filtration. We call it advanced filtration. So uh, having an inline filter that's going to capture most of the dust and in particular, the ultrafine particles we breathe in that that constitute 90% of all the particles we breathe in they actually are small enough to go into the bloodstream. So we really wanna filter as much of those small particles as possible. The second part of air quality is ventilation. If you don't have uh, fresh air coming in at the opportune times when CO2 levels go up, you're gonna have a cognitive impairment or impact uh, starting at some point. So ventilation is key. And then humidity control. Being in New York, summers are extremely humid, winters are dry. But there are ways to keep it in optimal zones every day of the year, just like your uh, temperature or your thermostat, and then radon control. So those four are really the the. If you handle all four of those issues, then you can bet that you're going to be uh, very happy, and your home, the home that you live in, is actually going to contribute to your health, not detract from it.
0: Right. So uh, just out of curiosity, and I know that you're very uh, passionate, as I mentioned also in the bio, about you know, sustainable uh, farming methods, right? Agriculture and then healthy lifestyles and and all that kind of stuff. So how did you get involved? How did you start getting involved in this type of stuff with the the healthy homes and the healthy buildings?
1: Sure, so I'm really interested in just simply the human condition and uh, more specifically the physical condition. There's mental, there's spiritual, there's all these other aspects, but when we uh, talk about physical and we track health the last 200 years, Michael, do you know? Two hundred years ago, the cancer rate was 05 percent. It was less than one percent two hundred years ago. Yeah. One hundred years ago, it was like five or six percent. Do you know what it is today? Yes.
0: Uh, it's probably way higher. I, I would. I would yeah. assume. It's like thirty to
1: forty percent.
0: Right. Isn't that crazy okay. too? Because like ba- I feel like back in the day, you watch old movies. Everybody's yeah. smoking. You know. Yeah. Everybody's just yeah. drinking nonstop. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the reason why it ramped up like that, there's a correlation with high processed foods, highly processed foods. So sugar, saturated fats, uh, you know, uh, 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 flour, uh, processed flour, they all came out like 200 years ago, 100 years ago. So there's a, a direct correlation to that. So when it comes to physical health, my, my, the way that I try to contribute to uh, society is, uh, educate people on how to bring in nutrient-dense foods, clean foods without chemicals, without pesticides. The gold standard is regenerative organic foods. That's the best thing you can consume and bring into your body to allow, uh, allow you to thrive. The second aspect of it is to limit the toxins and chemicals that are in the environment from entering your body. So it's twofold, bringing in healthy foods and then keeping out chemicals and toxins out of the environment. So That's where it is, the food and environment, that's where it is for me in order to have a solid footing on uh, longevity.
0: Right, what are some examples of those regenerative organic foods in case people are interested in those? So
1: regenerative organic is really the way that you farm. So the organic organic standard, you go to Whole Foods, you see USDA organic. Uh, The stipulation of organic is really to uh, grow crops that do not have any chemicals or hormones. But if you take it one step further and you focus on the health of the soil, the way that you uh, use biodynamic, use animals that poop and uh, without pesticides, but it creates uh, a very healthy microbiome within the soil. And what that does is a healthy soil creates a healthy crop. And when we consume that healthy crop, it's going to create a healthy body. So it's not really what kind of foods you want to look at how they grow the crop, whether it's a strawberry, whether it's a banana, is it regeneratively organically grown? And if it is, that's really at the highest level of uh, farming. That's going to benefit your health.
0: Got it. Okay. And this is something that you, do you practice what you preach? Yes. Yes. At the
1: highest level. Like uh, (laughs) if you follow us, we'll give you uh, an in-depth scene on how exactly how we do it. Through our social media. So please uh follow us.
0: Yeah. Which social media is? Let's just plug them halfway through this episode. Okay. So w- what are we looking at?
1: So uh if you go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, just look at Wild Orchard uh Green Tea. Uh our our website is wildorchard.com, so you can see our whole story there, what our philosophy is. It's really about making an impact on human and planetary health.
0: Okay, that's a perfect segue because now I want to talk about wild orchard. So, how did that come about? How did you get that started? Are you a tea farmer? Is that basically what you are?
1: No, so I started drinking this tea maybe twenty years ago i 've actually started uh, my organic lifestyle about twenty years ago so it's been uh, it 's been a couple of decades but i dr- I started to drink this tea. I really enjoyed it i I knew how they farmed it back then. I just didn't know it was called regenerative. I just knew it was done at the highest quality. Yep. They wash it four times. Like, There's no tea farm that washes their leaves four times because of the pollution issue uh, everywhere, right? So particulates land on crops. And if you don't wash it, you're going to be eating it. So this farm, when I heard that they were washing it four times, I was like, wow, they're really focused on the highest, cleanest product. And you know, but they were, later on, I, I found out that they were a very small farm. They, 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 they weren't business people. They didn't really have the mindset or vision to, like, make this available globally. And, you know, I'm an onpre- entrepreneur, and if I see something good, I want to be able to share it with the world. And so we got to talking, and uh, eventually we became uh, their global distributor. So we are talking to the farm, like, on a weekly basis, like, sharing information. What what are you doing these days? And we're trying to show people. And, you know, Michael, the big thing is when you go to shop, right, when you pick out a banana, do you know how it's grown? you have no idea, right? In
0: a tray? In a tray? Yeah. That's, that's about the extent of my that's knowledge banana, of bananas. Right? Yeah. Well,
1: so what we want to do is bring deep transparency to that. We want to show people exactly where their tea comes from, how it's grown. And by doing that, what we do is we make everyone else honest. And what I mean by honest is, grow for the end user not just for the business to make money but making money is great but the ultimate goal should be uh, bringing value and high quality products to the end user right and so by creating this transparency it actually gets consumers to question other people how are you doing it and it brings up the quality across the board that's what we're trying to do here
0: Right. So where? Uh, how did so you, how'd you find out about this farm just because of the washing thing? Where is the farm located? Oh, the, the farm is
1: located uh, on an island in South Korea. It's called Jeju Island. Okay. And so I, I actually had a chance to visit the island, visit the tea farm 20 years ago, and I mm-hmm. became a fan of it. And I'm telling you, I would drink maybe once a week, maybe sometimes once a month, not a lot, right? But I kept drinking it through the 20 years. But when I learned that they're just like, I, I thought there could be an opportunity to bring massive exposure to it uh, through our efforts in the U.S. Uh, that's when I started drinking it every day. I drink two liters a day now, every day for almost three years. Yeah. And, Michael, I've never, never been sick. It's the first time I've ne- I, I feel better than I have uh, a decade ago, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, if, I, if I can feel this way, I want to be able to share it with other people and show them exactly why
0: right? Right. Uh, can you buy this in stores or do you have to go to like online or special tea stores or something?
1: Yeah. So right now we're just launching, we've been doing R and D getting everything down, uh, to be, uh, you know, appealing to the North American market. Uh, this month, by next month, we'll be on Amazon on our uh, wild we will be direct to consumer. And then we're going to start getting into local and independent natural organic shops and then in the next year, our goal is to be in national retailers like Whole Foods and, uh, you know, Sprouts and places like that.
0: Right. Interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I like tea. I'm not, I mean, I'm not a big tea guy. Um, I usually drink coffee in the morning. I, at the end of today, though, because I have a whole bunch of time that's going to be spent on Zoom, I usually do like a Lipton tea at the, you know, halfway through because my voice is basically going to be shot. Um, so maybe I'll have to try a little wild orchard and see if that works even better. Well, let me
1: ask you, Michael. Why do you drink coffee? Is it more for taste or is it for the energy boost? Uh,
0: both. I mean, both, right? I mean, I think it's just one of those things where if I don't drink coffee now, I mean, as a thirty-year-old who's been drinking coffee for, I guess maybe eleven or twelve years now, um, I can't really get rolling without it. Um, (laughs) which I mean, is terrible. Uh, but then you get like that caffeine withdrawal headache halfway through the day and all that kind of stuff. So, um,
1: so so Michael, most people don't know this, but, uh, without going too long. So coffee gives you a boost and then you get a crash. So you have to keep drinking to maintain that energy, right? Yeah. Tea, you get the same caffeine, but because there's something called L-theanine where you cannot find anywhere else except mushrooms, it gives you energy, but a sustained energy but it adds focus and calmness to it. So Mm. you get a much multi-layered. The only thing that the reason why I asked you, do you drink it for taste? It's hard to beat coffee's taste, right? I I drink coffee too once in a while because the taste is so good. So the last couple of years, we've been developing a tea product that gives that coffee taste. That that there. So- well, we, I'm going to send you some tea, give it a okay. shot and right. uh, <laughs> we'll see how it
0: goes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll let you know. I mean, this is great, man. I get some, some tea and just okay. see how it works. Um, because I mean, like I, like I said, I mean, I drink tea sometimes I'll probably have a tea later today. Um, yeah. but you know, I mean, I think like you said, I mean the the caffeine, the caffeine and the coffee just gives you that punch in the face right in the morning yeah. that you need yeah. to get yourself woken up and ready to rock and roll. So, um, yeah. So, yeah,
1: that's that's how I explain it. So coffee is like someone just punching you. So it keeps you up. Right. Yeah. He is like a soothing massage throughout the day. That's the difference. All
0: right. (laughs) I mean, that sounds just delightful. So I definitely have to give that a shot. Um, So also, I mean, just because we're on the the topic of uh, sustainability and healthiness and all that kind of stuff. um, You know, one of the things that I think is interesting about products like this is that, you know, because even though they're uh, sustainably farmed and, and all that kind of stuff. As far as like shipping, you know, because you said it's in the farm is in South Korea, right? Um, an island in South Korea. Um, so as far as like, are there, are there sustainable distribution practices? Is that a thing that people do?
1: So you you bring up a great point, right? The, the ultimate is just to have a garden in your backyard. Everyone yeah. create their own food. Like that's right. the ultimate, right? Grow your own tea. Yeah. In your garden, They're, it's going to bring down the carbon footprint tremendously. But you know, it's challenging and it's not like you can have a green tea farm anywhere in the world. There's a very specific location where it, it's grown and you get the highest quality. And the our farm in Jeju Island is one of those places. Unfortunately, if we could create one in New York City, like we would do it. Yeah, right? Right. So we would just distribute locally. But because that's one of the challenges, we try to decrease the environmental impact through a more sustainable packaging, things like that. But Shipping, there's not much you can do, right? Because, right. I mean, shipping is shipping.
0: It's shipping. So those yeah.
1: are one of the drawbacks. Uh, but, you know, there's other ways you can pay and donate a certain amount to decrease your carbon footprint to offset it. There's many practices like that. But we, we really try to do everything we can to be sustainable. But that shipping aspect, that's something that we can't, we, we can't really do much about.
0: Right. Yeah. I was just curious because I feel like that's something that you know, anybody that's going to ship anything, whether you want to be sustainable or you don't care is going to be something that you have to deal with. So, um, do you ever like, I mean, because you seem very passionate about this, do you ever work with people like one-on-one, like, Hey, this is what you're doing wrong about, you know, your healthy or non-healthy lifestyle.
1: I love talking about this. If anyone reaches out and they just want to talk and say, how can I create a healthier home? Oh, what's your difference between your tea and this other tea? this is stuff that I live to talk about every day. And if it helps anyone, I, you know, I I make time out to, to make time for people. Right. So reach out to me through LinkedIn anywhere and uh, happy to uh, collaborate.
0: Yeah. Um, And then also, uh, you know, looking at like the future, uh, let's go back to the building thing because I mean, I told you I didn't write any questions down, so nor did I have an outline for what I thought we were going to talk about. So one of the things that I was just thinking of as we were going through the tea thing, I don't know why, um, was the fact that, uh, you know, looking into the future with these smart home or, you know, I guess, is it smart home? Is it
1: a smart and healthy home, smart, smart and, healthy and healthy homes? Yeah,
0: right. With these smart and healthy homes. Um And I know you said that there are goals and things that you're hoping to accomplish, you know, with maybe like a healthy index and all that kind of stuff. Um, Where do you kind of see the future of this going? Is this, I mean, is this going to be something where once we kind of get past the COVID thing that everyone's just kind of forget about it and not really care, or is this something that's, you know, just so in everybody's faces right now that it's going to be something that really gets some legs and becomes an integral part of the real estate industry?
1: Well, the one thing that good that came out of COVID is people are very cognizant of their surroundings now, right? And so uh, we talked to a lot of builders. If you look at the latest builder surveys, you look at the latest prospective home buyer or homeowner surveys, they all point to wellness in the home, healthy home as a top priority, which is great. I, I love to see that trend, but there's still a lot of educating to do. People want a healthy home. They understand the concept of it now, but they don't know anything beyond that. So it really um, is a combination of people like us who can educate, builders who understand, they see the demand, and then ultimately the homeowners to understand better what constitutes a healthy environment. And once these things start to come closer together and mesh, Uh, It's just gonna. It's just gonna keep going up. That's the way we see uh, things playing out.
0: Right, and then also you mentioned builders, and I didn't ask this before. I probably should have. We were talking about like old buildings versus new buildings, and all that kind of stuff. But if we're talking about like new construction you know, and um, obviously that's a big thing right now with, you know, people buying homes and all that new construction obviously took off quite a bit um, just because people wanted something that was just theirs. You know, nobody else has been in it before um, and everything. So are there, have you been uh, working with builders on how to just, you know, if we're going to build a house, these are the things that you need to do to make sure that this can fit into these indexes?
1: We do. We do talk to builders. I we we actually met uh, some prominent builders the other day. But uh, right now, the focus for uh, healthy home is really indoor air quality. Uh, that's number one by far. Then you have water quality, and then you have like lighting, something called circadian lighting that's coming out now. But those three are the top. But Michael, like like I explained to you in the well and fit well concept, there's so much more than just air and water. Those are the top top drivers of healthy home, but there's so many other things. So uh, the builders are starting now, they see the demand, they see homeowners are willing to pay more for it. So if you go to the top home builders and you look at their sites, all of them have a healthy home component, Right. right? And it's really air and water. But as time passes and homeowners get more educated, they're going to start wanting more aspects of healthy home. Like I mentioned Soundscaping, sensecaping, like uh, biophilic design—it just runs the gamut. Right. But really, air and water is where it's at right now. With lighting, uh, uh, part of the top three right now.
0: Right? Are there? I mean, so the other thing too—if we're talking about commercial buildings—are um, there asset classes that are more prone to being to lagging behind on some of these things? Like, I would imagine maybe like a warehouse or a factory would be severely behind an office building. Um, so are those thing, are, are there different you know, things you need to make sure that you're doing in a building like a factory as opposed to an office building, I would imagine, right?
1: Yeah, factories uh, very much so because it's just the nature of what's going on in there. A lot of particulates, a lot of chemicals. So you see, you see even some of the largest factories in the world like microchips, the cancer rates are tremendously high. So it's the environment that they work in. But now, Michael, the future is really sensors. If you have sensors in there and it's visible, all employees can see it, you can't get away with anything. You have to put measures in place that create a safe environment. And the best thing that uh, commercial building owners can do is even business owners, uh, most people may not realize it, but 90% of expenses are to human resources. Uh, The rest, like utilities, like rent is the 10%. But everyone is focused on that 10%. If you focus on the 90% out of productivity and peace of mind, you're going to get way more return on investment on the bottom line if you focus on what goes into that 90%. And businesses are starting to realize it now. That's why these certifications are climbing every month. It's going up and up and up because people are realizing how important it is uh, to their bottom line as well.
0: Right. And then one of the other things, too, um, you know, because we've talked about quite a bit, I mean, being here in New Jersey, there are a lot of old apartment buildings. There's a lot of old warehouses. There's I mean, same thing in New York. I mean, we live in a state that's been developed for a while, you know, Um, and there's a lot of these old buildings and there's a lot of, you know, uh, I guess barriers, at least, you know, maybe from someone that doesn't understand this quite as well as you um, to maybe getting access to that and like an inclusion aspect because I feel like if this is something that is so good and, and you know helpful for people, are there ways to, to uh, provide access to people that maybe don't have the financial capacity to make all the necessary changes that maybe need to be made
1: Yeah that, that's that's the biggest challenge. I sit on an advisory board of, uh, that focuses on health equity and if you if you want to create the healthy and envi- healthiest environments, it does cost money, a little more money. It's not obscene. Like we're not talking about it's out of range. It's only a little more than if you're building a new building or building a new house. It's a very marginal increase in cost to put these uh, solutions in place. So there's a kind of a myth that it's like so expensive. It's not. It's really where you put the value of that, right? right. So I, I think um, I think if there's any message to t- talk to people about creating a healthy environment. The cost is certainly not the biggest barrier. It's really about looking at everything in context and what's the most important, the people. If you, any business, if you uh, show your people that you care about them and you're invested in them, you're going to get high performance out of your people, commitment, loyalty, focus. You And that translates into dollars in the bottom line. So if you think about that as an entrepreneur in a business, it's a no-brainer to create the healthiest office environment for your workers.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I think that's that's very well said. And you know, because it's just one of those things where it's you know uh, people might be scared away because they don't quite grasp the whole concept. You know. So which is why I'm I'm glad I asked that question because, like I said, you are an expert. So why not ask? the expert. Um, so, all right. So one, I mean, a couple, I think I have maybe like one more question and we'll get to our closing segment and then we'll wrap it up. So we did ask about goals, uh, sort of when we talked about goals with wild orchard, um, with pure 365, what are some things you're hoping to accomplish with pure 365? Let's just take over the next year or two.
1: Right. So, uh, because we typically spend 90% or more indoors, whether it's our home office or the car, um, our goal is to really create the healthiest environment. So in the end, we've learned from COVID, right? Uh, e- even aside from COVID, each of us knows someone who has passed away from cancer. Like my mom passed away from cancer. I, I can guess you know someone who passed away from cancer, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the biggest shame. It's a life cut short because of disease. And uh, to me, it's all preventable. 70 to 80% of our health is determined not by genetics, but our lifestyle and the environment that we put ourselves in. So I'm really about trying to create the biggest impact on health through healthy environments. And it's about um, uh, creating a more longevity of health, of life. And I think that's the biggest way I can contribute to society, to help people, you know, in that way. So with Pure 365, it's really about getting people to... Um, you know, make the invisible visible for them. And then to give peace of mind that, wow, my home, it's the safest, it's the healthiest for me around. I don't have to worry about it. That's really what our goal is.
0: Right. Awesome. Awesome. Um, All right. So let's move the show into our closing segment, which we call under the spotlight. So the spotlighters, which is what I call the spotlight listeners have been listening to Michael Hamm and Michael Ham talk for about 40 or so minutes right now. Um, so if there's one key takeaway that people need to take away from this episode, what is that one thing? So you are under the spotlight. Okay.
1: So uh, we all live in a fast paced life. So often we don't really think about things too deeply, like what, how what we eat is affecting us, the air we breathe, the water we drink. All I wanna share with you is on average, the American average diet is highly processed foods. Try to get that down to 20%. Like we're human, we gotta enjoy our burgers, our pizza. I do too, right? I had a root beer and a pizza, a burger the other day. So, but try to keep it under 20%. 80% if you focus on highly dense, nutrient dense foods, organic, clean foods without chemicals, grown the right way, 20% you splurge. And then over time, as you feel you know, and know more, it'll go more to 90-10, right? So just focus on that. When it comes to your environment, everything's invisible, but we know there's no such thing as safe tap water, right? So if you're drinking tap water, it's not safe. You gotta figure out uh, putting on a purifier or filtration there to protect your family. It also allows you not to buy bottled water. Like you talked about sustainability. When we buy bottled water, it's coming from somewhere. And it's literally filtered tap water, <laughs> most of the case, right? right. Well, why not put it's? I'm saving you money here. Put a, a really high efficiency filter under your sink. You never have to buy bottled water. And you can uh, have better than bottled water quality at home. So that's water. Air, same thing. It's invisible, but it's killing us. So COVID is a, a faster death because of the way that the virus attacks us. Air pollution is a slow death, but it's the number one health threat by WHO, causes eight million premature deaths per year. It's more than what COVID did last year, Right. right? It's serious, serious stuff, but because it's a slow death, people don't really think about it. So I'm really here to educate, let people know that you can create a healthy environment. You just have to spend a little time to learn more about it. And we're here as a resource.
0: Awesome. I love that uh, under the spotlight segment. Um, So, you mentioned that you're here as a resource. So, if people need more, Michael, where do they go to get it?
1: Uh, uh, Pure365 is one area. That's our website. You know, uh, I'm a little different. Uh, You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I like to, obviously, the business has to sustain itself. You don't have to buy anything. If you have a question, just send me (laughs) information. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll share all my experience and knowledge. And if you want, if you want a solution, I'll tell you what the best ones are.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And then I'll make sure that I put the, the Instagram handles and, and, you know, uh, social handles that you mentioned earlier with the um, wild orchard in the show notes as well. Um, Obviously Michael is a great guy. I mean, we have the same name, so why wouldn't he be? Um, But, uh, but I'll make sure I put everything you need to contact Michael in the show notes. Like I always do. I will always also make sure that I put all the morning spotlight, uh, stuff, the morningspotlight.com and themoringspotlight at gmail.com in the show notes as well, so if you want to reach out to the show um, Michael, again, I appreciate you coming on, this was very peculiar, I guess, the way we kind of kicked it off, but I think it worked out great and I feel like the, the spotlighters are going to get a lot of value from this episode, so I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you for having me and uh, we definitely got to meet up uh, you know, in the coming
0: months. Of course yeah, no, absolutely, I would love that and uh, spotlighters, thank you for listening and we will catch you next time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.